Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the USL show. Most of you were expecting us at, uh, you know, nine or uh, nine o'clock, and instead we're a little bit late. Call us one knocks. You know, welcome back, and we are so excited to be back. A lot to talk about. League One is back. Red cards are back and in full swing. You thought they were gone, nah, babe. We are back here. Um, a whole lot to talk about. A uh, little bit of U.S. Open Cup stuff going on. The uh, uh, the the nor'easters is uh, is that because they have like the Ocean City nor'easters. That one always gets me. Are up against uh, Westchester three one. So unless we get some magic of the cup, I think we all know what's going to happen there. But before we get all into that, Ryan, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you today? Um, you know, doing doing okay. Uh, you know, it's uh it's been a chilly sixty degrees in Birmingham. We're suffering. Um <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah. Uh how about our own who just got back from his first away day, our Lexington Luther himself, Tyler. I'm doing awesome, man. I uh, wish we'd gotten the win this weekend, but can't complain. It was uh, something else being able to be there for the start of our club, kicking off their time in USL 1. So had a, an awesome time despite the result. Yeah, I mean, you got to see, you know, first minutes in club history. You got to see first goal in club history. You also got to see first red card in club history, which, I mean, it, you got everything you wanted. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Don Smart was just trying to claim everything. He's going to get our first hat trick next. Um, I don't know. Fly the first airplane labeled with LSE's logo. I don't know. But <laughs> it was a good time. Good, good. Alan, uh, after not believing in your club whatsoever, they gave you a reason to believe. I'm sure they won't break your heart later. How you doing, man? Great. Uh, Southern California is uh, doing well. We are experiencing things that other people refer to as weather. Uh, so I am in my nice, comfortable hooded onesie for tonight to make sure I'm nice and, and toasty for all of the warm and hot takes that will inevitably happen throughout the show. That's the a onesie? Show. Oh, yeah. It's it's a onesie. Like Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It, it zips. It zips and up and down in the front, and has a zip flap that I don't even have to take it off to go poop. So it's, I, mean, I am warm and toasty, and I pre- I love it. Well, I mean, I'm going to ask for a link link later today. It's fine. <laughs> John, how you doing, man? Yeah, doing well. I mean, less exciting things that to report than Tyler or like. Alan watching a nice three nothing win, which we'll get into, but yeah, living the life. I mean, you finally got some love from, uh, you know, from, from Detroit city fans. So it's a small win in life, isn't it? I take all the wins I can get. (laughs) (laughs) Phil, I won't ask you about your weekend. You, despite what people in the chat are saying, I think you look fantastic. How you doing, man? <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, I wasn't expecting the amount of beard discourse um, <laughs> in the chat, but I, uh, I'm, I'm glad. Anything to draw any attention away from my, from my USL club at the moment, um, if, if that's, uh, if that's what it takes. <laughs> So instead of Homer Simpson going on a hunger striker, you would go on a I'm not going to shave until we win again. It well, really is the reverse playoff beard. 
Well, I am uh, I am doing like to add insult to injury. I am doing a uh, a dry Lent, so I haven't been drinking for a while, and I picked a hell of a time to stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Look, you finally brought because Andy talks about if there's anything USL podcast anymore, it's more white bearded guys. You actually brought our number down, so we are 50 50 of white beardless guys and white bearded guys. You know, like I, I guess there's Geo, still come save us, Geo, please <laughs> <laughs> give it, give it a few right more now. days, give it a few more days, it'll be back. Uh, I love that. You know, last week we had a whole lot to talk about, and we went a little bit over. So we are going to go ahead and jump straight into the matches that were. We're going to start off with the championship because because there were more matches that were more likely to be entertaining matches. Um, it, while Lexington's match was awesome, uh, Lexington one Nog's match was awesome, the rest of League One was a little bit slower. Um, so we're going to hop right into, well, what was the USL tactics show this week? And we're going to hop straight into El Paso versus Detroit city, uh, as told by Sir John Morrissey, just go ahead, put it on mute, Phil. I'm sorry. Hello and welcome into the USL tactic show, where today I want to talk about Connor Russ's move to wing back for Detroit city this week. He played on the right next to Maxi Rodriguez in that right central midfield role. And the pair really did well to enhance the attacking integrity of the right wing. And in doing so, gave a spark beyond that talented back three that Detroit hangs their hat on. Here, you're gonna see Rutz is playing upfield. Rodriguez moves towards the flank to take a touch and El Paso has to shift. You're getting the switch here. And in a series of runs, Detroit is going to get Rutz free at the far post. He has that sort of sensibility and he was more able to use it because of the positional change and it paid off early in this game. Here you're going to see another case of Rodriguez moving into the flank to fill in for the role that Rutz is abdicating by moving forward. In this sort of positional um, play that Detroit is using, Rutz is able to really have an impact with his movement off the ball higher up the pitch and Rodriguez can dictate play, help build out for Detroit. Rodriguez, of course, is a very complete player. You're seeing him step up in the press here. Rutz really isn't even going to get a touch in this move, but that enhanced ability for Detroit to have a little bit more of a dynamic play on both sides was integral to the way that they beat the locomotive this weekend. Here, you're going to see a little bit more of the defensive quality of this pair. Rutz, who's been playing as a central player for most of his Detroit tenure, tucks inside, wins the ball, and then plays a breakthrough, even if it doesn't quite work. Here, Rodriguez is there in the center. El Paso is going to work it to the wing, and you-know-who, Connor Rutz, is going to step up and make the defensive play. He is a... I accidentally clicked the button too soon, but whatever. I don't know how far it was in. Um, my bad. Um, so, I mean, I'm a terrible podcast host. What else is new? Um, but listen, the TLDR of it, if you want to see the last little bit of that... Um, just go check out the old Twitter machine. It's out, it's out there, which is probably how most of you are watching this anyway. And, you know, we can talk about Trevor James and the adjustments he made, which I was a bit surprised at, and I'm a bit surprised that they worked. Um, especially with Connor Rutz I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I just kind of think of him as a middle of the park player, but we, we can talk about that all day long. I kind of want to hear from the opposite perspective. 
Phil, you know, we kind of talked a lot about how maybe the roster we don't really believe in or the roster we do believe in is going to grow and it's going to get there. Is this just growing pains or is this just kind of the showing of the times? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to it's tough to tell. I think like I uh, for for anyone who wants like my fuller thoughts uh, on on El Paso Locomotive, uh, I have a big old article on Patreon that goes live uh, for everybody tomorrow morning um, where I wrote a thousand words just about that first goal of Detroit's. So just to give you an idea of where my mind went. And then uh, we just we just released an episode as well. But I said on there that like if there was any team in the league that wouldn't want to be dropped into a three game week in week one, it's this locomotive side because they're betting in like new attackers, new midfielders and new defenders across, across the board guys who maybe played less minutes last year due to other pieces being in place. And so they are really starting from scratch. That being said, there are some like fundamental things that are going wrong. And I kind of pointed out that I keep coming back to when things are, when you're trying to like set up these teams and you're trying to get guys in, in quickly and like bed them in, I think like simplifying roles as much as you can is the easiest way to start like getting positive results. And unfortunately El Paso is asking particularly Liam Rose and Eric Calvillo in the middle of the park to do a lot of decision-making and a lot of different roles as a two. And I think like the easiest way to sort of simplify the way that they set up is to play a defensive midfielder. Um, I think that uh, Detroit's second goal, as John was like pointing out, basically like, there's a ton of space for them to turn into as soon as they, as soon as they win the ball in midfield and that space could be occupied by a six, but it's not. And Liam Rose and Eric Calvillo are both further upfield as like locomotive look to attack. Uh, and, and Pavkovitz is trying to play the ball out. So the bottom line is that I think like right now it is a complex system. They're trying to play. It is going to take time for them to get to where they need to be. And I think we've asked like Eric Calvillo and Liam Rose to play very complicated roles that are probably leading to some of the like disjointedness of the rest of the team um, and why they're conceding some of these goals in transition. So, well, you know, the one thing that seems to be a constant with El Paso is that they bring in coaches that want complex stuff right away. I mean, Last year, I was be beyond furious with just how they were using Evan Newton. He's not a sweeper. He's a fantastic keeper, I guess was. He's still alive. He's just retired, dead in the football <laughs> world. Um, you know, and he's not a sweeper keeper. He's a fantastic shot stopper. He's a pretty good distributor, but he's not a sweeper, and they asked way too much of him, especially in a back line that was just not very good. Um, and then you go to the coach before him is coach Lowry, who is not, is not known for making his tactics simple. <laughs> That's not his thing. So like, is it just 
something that the front office at El Paso wants? Is this complex system, or is it coaches thinking that players can just do quicker than they actually can? I I'm not sure if it's something that the front office is looking for. I think I think like at the end of the day, we any team that switches coaches twice in two years uh, is going to struggle with this because like no one's had the time to really implement what they wanted to do. And they started going drastically one way with Hutchinson and are now going drastically a very different way with, with clear out. And I think ultimately like it's, you know, your season isn't made in the first three games. And certainly like there are a lot, I think like what's maybe lost in the results is there are, positives like in how locomotive played and i mean they created a lot against detroit which is not something that a lot of teams can say um obviously you got to score the goals there's no you know there's no like no moral victories but the the bottom line is that i do think there are some positives i think it is a lot less chaotic than it was last year and there are positive signs that that it could lead to something but like the proof's in the pudding and they've got a hell of a a next matchup as they've got Louisville away. Um, so not exactly the palate cleanser sort of game that you would want on a three game skid. So we'll see. Well, anything else from anybody else before we move on to, uh, to a little bit more depression on the pod? No. Okay. I have a feeling this is a Tyler shout. This is going <laughs> yeah. to be a Tyler shout. Lexington Luther suffers his first defeat. Um, and you know, I will say this, I, I don't care if you haven't watched this back. It is one of the most entertaining matches you will watch over the weekend. Um, everybody on Twitter who was watching it from a, about five minutes in was saying this game is not going to end with level players. This one's going to end with at least one send off. I'm surprised there was only one. I counted at least three or four overhead kicks on balls that should just not have happened. There was just weird stuff happening in the match. And we, how could we ever forget the Knoxville poll? Never forget. Um, it was just a really fun match and we can talk about what went well for Knoxville, but what went wrong for Lexington tower? Uh, I, I think that one of our biggest problems was honestly our slow start um from from the get-go for the first like mm, 15 20 minutes we were really playing on the defense we had a lot of trouble getting into their half of the field especially the final third um it, it just was constant pressure and early on we had a few mistakes here and there we had our pocket picked we obviously had the penalty that was conceded in the box um and, and so i think we saw how new of a team we were um and, and i think that you know, a lot of people's predictions about where we were going to be were based on the fact that we are so brand new. Everybody just now came together. There's not really any uh, continuity on the team. And I think it definitely showed in that first little bit of the game. People were trying to get comfortable on our side um, and really get in the groove. And for some of these guys, this was their, their first opportunity at this level. And I think that that showed. And so I think that was kind of our first stumbling block. Um I feel that we did better about making adjustments and a lot of our players that experienced some setbacks early on were starting to gain momentum as the game went on. And I think that we saw some improvements in a lot of areas. Um, our other thing that I feel like um, definitely hurt us 
was just the lack of production with opportunities in the final third. Once we started actually making it into that area of the field and we started seeing crosses into the box, shots taken, none of those quite landed. Um, we had so many opportunities, more than what you'd see statistically whenever it shows you the shots versus shots on goal. If you just watch the game, you see how many opportunities we actually missed. Um, and it wasn't for lack of trying. I mean, Charlie Mitchell was was constantly right there. Like I don't know how many times I watched him almost connect and just send one right in, and it just never happened. Even at the very end of the game, I about lost it. Like literally the last play of the game, he just about got it in the goal, and it once again just got snuffed out. And so I, I think that if we start making those connections when we get into those spots, we're going to be golden. Um, I, I said it before the season started. I think that our offense is underrated. A few people are, are still kind of doubting that. I think that we have the pieces to be a high-scoring offense. It's just a matter of everything clicking. And I think that we'll see that as the season goes on and the guys get more comfortable together. Um, but, I mean, that being said, I, I, I felt like there was a lot of positive to take away from this. Um, we had some players that really were putting in solid work, like uh, Fila Delamini. People weren't sure what he was going to do. He's coming straight out of South Africa. Has not played on any leagues in the U.S. Um, played in college. He was awesome in the game. He had very few mistakes, and he was helping with that whole uh, duo setup between him and Don Smart in the center of the field. Um, and I think that that really helped us as far as making sure that one Knox wasn't being productive and cutting through that section. Um, Tate Robertson was awesome on our wing. He delivered a lot of our services. Um, which I think was encouraging. He had one service that I think was meant to be a cross. I was standing right there next to the, the corner of the goal that it went towards. It almost went all the way through, dipped in and hit the top corner of the goal and went in. It was just like inches away. Um, and it would have been a worldie if it went in. I would have lost my mind, but he was really impressive. And, and then kind of thinking about if we're like assessing our areas of the field, I feel like our defense wasn't clicking as solidly as they could have our goal that we got scored on off of uh, Jake Keegan. If you watch that again, you see Kalen Fox try and get on the line and be there to kind of give a little of an assist for Amal. And then everybody else in the defense is literally standing there. Like not in like any type of, of, of setup, like we're ready in case the ball rebounds our way. It was just literally standing straight up, um, not ready for what was going to happen. And then you just see Jake Keegan cut in and just slam it in. So I think maybe some more anticipation and sharpness would have done us some good. But um, I think it was it was a stronger showing than what a lot of people expected. And I think there's a lot of positive that we can build on with this. Knight, who just got called up to the Jamaican national team, by the way. I said mm -hmm. it as it happened. If I'm Knight, I'm furious. I mean, yeah. he gave up. I mean, just a stupid challenge leads to a penalty that, I mean, it it is what it is. It's a penalty, right? And then yeah. he makes an incredible save. I don't want that to get yeah. lost. It was an incredible no. save that should have been a fairly easy clear or at least get a body in front of. And, yeah, defenders just standing there. And then after giving up later in the match, just a full-on tackle. I mean, I mean, it would have been called spearing in normal American football. And, you know, doesn't even get a card, I don't think. And then Dom Don Smart just decides I'm gonna get a red card real quick. And then League One does League One things like they did last year with with when teams go down a man, they actually become better. 
Um, so I don't know why every team in League One doesn't just go down a man. It seems to be the right tactic. I don't know. This is why I'm not a coach, I guess. Um, <laughs> it, I, I mean, I've been infuriated. I, I will say one of the things that I think kind of explains a little bit of that is we had um, Nico Brown and Will Bainham come in. Um, and honestly, I was kind of surprised that they weren't starting. Nothing against anybody else that was in our starting lineup, but we had seen them making lots of impact in the preseason. Um, I mean, they scored four of our goals out of seven in the preseason and um, were, were pretty influential in some of the things that we were doing beyond um, just the, the scoring itself. So when they came on, that happened to be also around the time that we uh, were at 10 men. And I think that that just really changed our look. I mean, we had fresh legs in, in the mix, but I think it was just more than fresh legs. I think that uh, they just have, um, you know, found their groove, I guess. And um, so I think that explains a little bit of that. But you're right. It's it's kind of weird. It's one of those chaotic League One things that we kept seeing last year. And it's just getting replicated. It's, you know, Chattanooga had that happen to them. I mean, I feel like there was at least three or four teams last year where you'd see them go down to 10 and all of a sudden they're on a comeback. And I mean, we, we were close um, once we were down to 10 men, but uh, this didn't happen for us, unfortunately. I want to, I want to address one thing about this match. And that is the sound was absolutely unhinged on the broadcast. <laughs> like, just redlining the crowd noise, all that stuff like on the broadcast was absolutely insane. I've never heard anything like that on a television broadcast. I, I promise you it's like that for every Tennessee soccer match. Every single one. I because I would tune in to watch because you know SEC women's soccer. I want to tune in. I that's the only broadcast I will put on mute. It is awful. I don't know why they just don't care. <laughs> the only the only uh the only equally unhinged audio was in this open cup game on tonight where there was like a group of 10-year-olds apparently standing like right behind uh the broadcast booth screaming random like stuff into the into the mics which was hilarious. Um I mean I heard crowd reactions from the uh Loudon San Antonio matches uh as well. You but mean the one dude the one yeah, dude the yelling one. the entire time. <laughs> well, he was loud enough that he counted for the stadium, I guess. But <laughs> I think what's interesting with both of these clubs kind of moving forward is that they have this week off before their next game, both on April 1st. You have one Knox against Omaha, and Lexington has a game against a uh, North Carolina team that we'll probably talk about later on in the show. It's just like it's important to like really not lose sight of that momentum. And it, I think it's going to be really interesting how the teams kind of approach this kind of week off and how they kind of bounce back in that week too. You know, kind of speaking, oh, unless somebody else has anything to say on this one. Okay. Um, kind of speaking of the Loudon San Antonio match, the one thing I do want to mention with this match real fast, because I know we're going a little bit out of um, – out of order with what I sent you guys. But I think a lot of people were just like, whoa, Loudon? And it's like, hmm, San Antonio. Let's, I think it needs to be said that San Antonio is currently hemorrhaging defensive players. They they just don't seem to have them. Um, and, you know, they have the guys, all the ones that you want, right? But it's, you know, whenever you have a core, you need something to surround the core or else it's not going to be as strong as what you want. They have a fantastic core of players, but also when you couple the fact of their injuries, players going on, you know, uh, international, right, or just whatever various reasons they're not around, and you couple that with the fact that Loudon's actually pretty good, 
it, it just ends up, I think, with some fans overreacting on both ends of being like, of like, Loudon's going to be blah, 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 or golly, San Antonio is <laughs> not going to make, <laughs> 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 or San Antonio is not going to make the playoffs, you know, it just ridiculous stuff along the way. Um, but yeah, I do want to throw it over to, to the people's champ champion, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Loudon has a lot to be encouraged about this result. I mean, to get an opening goal against the defending champions at home is a very massive step forward. Yeah, uh, Zach Ryan got the uh, red card kind of at the end in a very Alexander Mitrovic type uh, move there. But you're still looking at a San Antonio team who outshot Loudon 15-5 and 7-3 in shots on target in this game. It's still the defending champions coming in and getting a result and a very tough road trip to do on a Sunday. And it's just, it seems like that we're, we really shouldn't write off San Antonio. Oh, like you had mentioned, Kaylor, and just like really give props to a Loudon team that hasn't proved. I mean, if you're looking back at like last year's results, you have a San Antonio team that drew Orange County 2-2 on the final game of the season last year. And that still didn't interrupt any of their momentum towards the playoffs. Yeah. I do just want to say with San Antonio, like we talk about the injuries. We talk about the fact that they're constantly rotating. At what point is that sort of self-inflicted with the demands they put on the players with constantly defending and then breaking at full speed whenever they have a chance to counterattack? They were very vocal about the fact that they're the mentality monsters who are grinding into one another every single time they train it kind of comes with the territory of how they play the game with, and especially when you're depending on someone like PC who's on the wrong side of 30 and constantly putting in kind of edgy crunching tackles, they're begging the issue in a lot of ways. And you saw the effect in this game where the, uh, Muhammad Abu comes in very early. He's playing next to Ja'Cory Hayes, who has been in the preseason camp for all of two weeks. They had no chemistry and loud and ate up because of that. And yes, San Antonio grew into the game. They were better for, for probably 60 minutes of it. But there are still concerns mm -hmm. with the way they're playing, given how strong this league is across the board. Especially looking at their games ahead. I mean, they have Colorado Springs this weekend, but then you have a gauntlet of Monterey Bay, Sacramento, and Louisville oh, the week after that. It really, it, I think that's one of the things that's really difficult for uh, Champa, or for San Antonio is that they need to have basically that mentality of that this shouldn't turn into a grind. It needs to still push themselves forward that if it starts to really wear and tear on these players, the season can get away from them very quickly. And it's going to take just one thing to slip up and have their chance fall away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why T-Bone is so funny, but it's hysterical. <laughs> Oh. I, uh, I like I, my my big thing is in these first two games for San Antonio. I think like the concern, if I'm a San Antonio fan, is Jordan Farr has had far far too many highlights this like two games into the season. And yes, he is an incredible goalkeeper, and he has like he has made some like amazing saves. But there is a very you know there's a very like easily imaginable world in which san antonio's like three nil down inside the first whatever 15 20 minutes of this game and like that should be very like concerning um in terms of the quality of chances that 
Loudon were able to create early on that like we're still finding out just how good Loudon are in terms of like the rest of the league. There are teams in this league that you can't concede those sorts of chances to um, they because they will punish you. So that would that's my only thing for San Antonio is like they didn't concede those sorts of chances with this regularity last season. Did we ever find out the corporate name of Pegasus and Pegasus face? They are down to five finalists for it, and they're all very boring. Just accept your fate, horse. Come on. <laughs> we need a Loudon Ford Madison Open Cup match. The cow and the horse need to meet. <laughs> what is if it's in Loudon, find a way to get the cow to Loudon. I know it's Rose Lavelle. It's a Rose Lavelle joke, but is it Rose Lavelle? Is it Rose Cowbell? Rose Cowbell. I mean, I thought it was Leonella Bessie or whatever. That was the first one. That, yeah, they've had a few. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so when are we just getting the llama in Las Vegas, and then the cows in? you know, Madison and then Pegasus mid Pegasus face to meet like, cause it, that's going to happen at the summer showcase. That's what that's all about. Right. Yeah. All that or we're going to pitch their animated TV show together. <laughs> <laughs> the first soccer league spinoff TV show. <laughs> I'm still uh, campaigning for us to get little Sebastian. I love it. That's an Indy 11 thing. <laughs> the fact that the club is not just accepting the fact that the hashtag is Lex Ride is ridiculous. Just accept it. It's Lex Ride. I was thinking about that and I actually looked into it and it's like a hashtag for like a bicycling event uh, around fine. Lexington. <laughs> so I think that might be why they avoided it. Because <laughs> I was in the word and I was like, eh. Just prove that soccer is bigger than cycling in the U.S. Like, come on. Yes. Yes, take like, down the cyclist. <laughs> down with the cyclist. Here's our stance for the week. <laughs> um, so moving on, um, I do want to get to uh, some, you know, some that's close to Alan's heart because we've been all depression on this show so far. We need a little bit of happiness. And what's happier than a guy who just watched his club win three nil, who's wearing a rainbow onesie? Come on, I mean. San San Diego won three nil against Phoenix, and all, all I think everybody on the show, or almost everybody on the show, picked San Diego. I think we all just kind of knew who San Diego were, and we're not quite believers of Phoenix. But like, I don't think any of us really expected three nil. I don't think the scoreline really reflects the the game itself, right? Like. This is one where you look up, you're like, holy crap. But then you watch the game, and you're like, I know Phoenix had um, several good chances. You can tell that there's something brewing there in Phoenix that once that starts to put together, they're going to be a very good team. Um, you know, the third goal was, I think Phoenix started to press a little bit more, opened up in the back. And I think maybe that was a little bit smart of San Diego. Like you look at the possession stats and usually San Diego is like number one in the league. They were like less than 40%. And so I think they're like Phoenix was putting them under pressure, which means they didn't hold on to the ball. Uh, but then when they got the ball and there was space, they were really, really uh, San Diego was really, really direct. Um, the first goal comes off of a turnover and it's a pass, a touch and a goal. Um, 
I, I thought Phoenix probably could have come up with one, right? It could have been one, one, and then it's a completely different game. The last, you know, 20, 30 minutes of the match. Uh, but San Diego has to be happy with this one. Uh, they put Ronaldo on the pitch and like five seconds later, he's scoring a goal that like the ball sounded like a cannon coming off of his foot. It was like, I don't think I've heard a, a, a soccer ball make that sound in a while, but uh, yeah, San Diego has to be happy. I think the next week against Sacramento, like we're going to talk about a little bit later. I think is the, the competition keeps stepping up, right? Detroit to Phoenix, Phoenix to Sacramento on the road. Uh, so we'll get a good chance to see what San Diego is really about. And then I do think Phoenix is a team to watch out for. There's weapons there. Um, there were chances. But the, I think the thing that Phoenix needs to focus on, which has always been Phoenix's weakness, is their back line. They're de- defending. Um, they left some space open, especially on that first goal. There were just acres of space where the striker uh, was just Conway was just like sitting there waiting for the pass. Um, but I do think it was flattering to San Diego. Um, but anytime San Diego can beat Phoenix at home, that you, you take those three points. Yeah, and just I, to double down on that, I'm yeah, sorry to cut you off there. No, Phil. you're good. Um, this game was wild because both of the teams were pretty bent on building out of the back with short passes without exception. Both of the teams were pressing very high out of their back three shapes. It was kind of a battle of wills in a way where they had very similar systems. And I think you saw the experience of San Diego running this kind of game paid off in the end. Speaking to that first goal, it was an error where Phoenix's uh, left-sided center back had dribbled a little bit too far, played a sloppy pass, and then there were acres of space for Conway to get into, and that changed the dynamic. I think a lot of the time in these sorts of games, whoever gets the first goal really changes the balance in a way that favors them. So there's a scenario where Danny Trejo, who did a really fantastic job finding space beyond the press, could have got something that shifted it in Phoenix, uh, Phoenix's advantage. So Phoenix is definitely a team to be watching, but to get Damas onto the pitch to do what he did, and I mean, Elliot Collier was fantastic carrying the ball halfway across the field from the moment he hit uh, as a substitute. So lots of good notes for the loyal, but I think this is promising despite the scoreline for rising. Yeah, what's wild about Collier, Collier is that uh... He looks like a guy who's going to be a lumbering forward, yes. but he we he was at, uh, Nate Miller was asking about it, and apparently he has a pretty solid background in futsal, and so like his touch and control is something that you wouldn't expect from a guy like that, and that showed up in you know Damas's goal, and it showed up in Blake Bodley's goal for the third one as well. That kind of no look pass um, when everyone's focusing on Damas to give it to the the you know the left sided wing back slash whatever you want to call Blake bodily in this game. Uh, it, it, he's a fun guy to watch because you see him and you're like, there's no way he's going to do this. And then he just does it. Yeah. I think uh, first, first it was extremely uh, frustrating watching Ronaldo Damas score uh, goals for a team not managed by Brian Clare out, given that he played with him in Sweden last year. So th- uh, that's going to take some getting over um, for me. Uh, the second bodily as a last name that is like 
I I don't know. It sounds like the start of a like straight edge hardcore band, bodily harm. Um, yes, and if yes, that's yes, not yes. a nickname, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> I, and, and then uh, the third uh, the third thing for me is that yeah, I think Phoenix for Phoenix fans, like I think they can actually take a lot of like credit away from this game because like like I said, it's not this like three three nil where they just got smashed in San Diego. Like I do think that there's you know a little bit about both of the second goals where they come they come a little bit later and and they were the game was an even contest for for most of it um and uh, the scoreline does flatter san diego slightly um but still a really good performance from san diego overall to get the win and and but i think phoenix should f- feel some level of of uh boost i guess from how they played and it did it wasn't the sort of walkover that we saw last season where they were just like defensively all over the place and you know total nightmare um so i do think phoenix fans can can feel some positivity around it and they have a week to prepare to play them again and just have a really good chance to kind of bounce back against san diego in their uh next match and yeah bodily we need to get a uh, usl all name starting 11 uh <laughs> going at some point so i want to move on over back to league one real fast and this was the thing that you know i kind of called and a lot of people kind of called what could be a preview of the usl league one final with you know uh, north carolina with a revamped attack and a sneaky good defense versus Tormenta, who just continues just to do the dang thing, where they just churn out talent after talent after talent. And Tormenta comes out 1-0 with the victory. Definitely offside. Um, There's no world that he's on. Um, But even so, even let's say that this is a nil-nil match, you, you still fancy Tormenta keeping it one nil because yeah, you can look at how many shots that North Carolina had and how few that Tormenta had and look at the possession and do all those things. Tormenta, in my opinion, never looked like they were going to concede a goal. Their back line looked so good. And how often have we said that about Tormenta? They just looked incredible once again. And I think that North Carolina is going to have a fun season. I do think they're good. I do think that they're going to be fine. Um, but I just do think that Tormenta is still kind of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, that, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you good. I, I was just saying that Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Tormenta is just – they're so solid. Everybody, you know, myself included, I was real high on NFC, uh, NCFC's – adjustments and the players they brought in and, and really revamping the attack. And I think everybody's so focused on that. Um, but then it comes down to when you see them play somebody like Tormenta, who, like you said, statistically on paper, it doesn't look like they had the flashiest game you could have ever asked for, but they know how to hold it down. They know how to, to make sure that those chances that NCFC is trying to throw in there just don't count. Um, they can take as many shots as they want, but if those shots aren't connecting, or if they're getting stopped or, or, or snuffed out, then it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. And Tormenta, they just capitalized on on the chance that they had. And I, I completely agree. Akale was totally offsides. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I watched that, but there's just no way that he makes that run from an onside position, in my opinion. Obviously, I wasn't there, and the camera angle is a little weird, but I just don't see it. So um, 
I definitely think that Tormenta is going to be one of those teams that's going to put people under pressure this year again and kind of be, you know, we, we know they're good from last year, but in a sense, I think, you know, they're going to keep reminding us like, Hey, we're here and we're holding it down. I mean, Tormenta also had three shots over 90 minutes. That's crazy to think about <laughs> when one of those is the offside goal that wins them the game. Yeah. And North Carolina, Perez wasn't in the squad. McLaughlin didn't start. They're almost a work in progress with the roster right now. And meanwhile, Mensingen went off. I do like not to doubt Tormenta. I thought Davy Mason looked fantastic making his debut there. Preston Cowian was good uh, filling in with that pair with Jake Dengler. Like this is a good team, but North Carolina had the fundament fundamentals of a squad that's going to be a threat in this league. And I don't think this result takes away from that. Right. Maybe yeah, there are not positives. Uh, go ahead, Kaylor. I was going to say, let's, I don't want to look too far ahead, I guess, but I'm going to try to find it real fast. North Carolina versus Charlotte is going to be insane. I know neither team scored, but if you looked at how fluid those, both those attacks were, that's going to be really fun. Really fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Five, five game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even if we're looking at this from a tormentous perspective, including the playoffs from last season, they haven't lost in 10 games, and it's been 196 days since they last took a defeat in this league. It was, I mean, we talked about mentality from San Antonio, but it was really a mentality to get through this game and get the three points. But there's certainly a lot of positives to take away from North Carolina, and as Phil was saying, it's not a league isn't defined by the first week of games and there's just there's a lot more to build off of for NCFC kind of moving forward there there is a world there is a world in which that goal is onside and that would be in a different universe where the offside rule does not exist uh, <laughs> and there should there's probably a universe in which that is the case and therefore yeah. um there is a world in which that goal is onside it's just not in this universe so just put, put, put that out, put that out there. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, real fast because we are running way over time. I just wanted to quickly touch on Legion versus Tulsa. Um, defense was kind of optional. Um, it was uh, it was a fun match. Um, the, and I kind of said this on uh, Twitter. Uh, there were a lot of people who were really uh, uh, talking bad about Michael Nelson, the Tulsa keeper saying that Sean Lewis, who is the one Knox keeper, or uh, Austin Warmel would be saving those goals. And I just don't say stupid things on the internet. I say as someone who says stupid things on the internet. But there's not much he could have done about those positioning. He was fine. He was doing pretty well. On the first goal, he pushes Pasher out wide, and his back line was halfway jogging back to try to stop the ball from going from going into the net it was lazy watching the back line for Tulsa at times and then obviously the tower pasher goal you see that the way that his body is going most players cannot be at that fast of a speed going one direction with all the momentum that was pulling him there plus the back line that just kind of watched the ball go past and see it placed that perfectly into the bottom left corner I do think that obviously you would say in a vacuum, well, it wasn't hit that hard. He should have been able to save it. But, you know, 99 times out of 100, that ball is not placed there. 
I think his positioning was fine. And on that last one, I'm sorry, but if you're a defender who is almost six feet tall, let's Nico Brett win a header. It's not your fault. Nico Brett is five six on a good day. Why don't? How is that his fault? I I just think it's ridiculous some of the stuff I was seeing out of Tulsa fans on that one because I thought he had a really really good game and Tyler Pasture showed up showed out and honestly had a lot of concerns with Legion out of this one just because they didn't look like they had a heartbeat until Enzo Martinez came on because we don't have a cam on the roster and this lineup desperately needs someone to distribute the ball. But even then, like my main takeaway was Tulsa fans calm down. Nelson had a good game. I thought, I mean, I thought the goals were good. Like <laughs> that's what I, I don't, maybe, and maybe, I don't know, as a neutral, it's easy to say, um, but yeah. I thought it was a lot of good goals and it was fun to watch. Tyler Pasher is in that weird space where he is absolutely like too good for this league, but like in that weird, like in between where he bounces back and forth. Um, well, he, he could still be an MLS if he made one different decision in life, but yeah, fair. And, uh, and yeah. And then, I mean, I think, I think like Legion, Legion certainly fight back. I do think Tulsa haven't really shown us enough over these first couple of games to really buy into like what's going on yet. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what they do in the coming games. Cause I think we haven't seen a ton, like on the offensive side, there's been like flashes, but not really, you know, anything sustained in terms of creation. Um, it was definitely better against Legion than it was in, in their first match. Um, but, uh, yeah, not necessarily buying Tulsa yet um, as a project. I, I need more data. I also think Tulsa's big mad because Detroit's away kit does Tulsa's look better than Tulsa ever has. <laughs> no. You're not Hard wrong. No. Hard no. <laughs> like, I saw that kit in person. I was like, I really like this kit from Detroit. And then I saw it on the, the, the TV, and I was like, it's, it's just as good on TV. And it's like all of the things you wanted Tulsa to do with the rebrand, with like the that greenish color, the gold, the white, it just looks nice. I wouldn't wear it because I don't like white because I'm sloppy. Um, but uh, I which have made very clear. But yeah, that Detroit <laughs> kit, that Detroit look is pretty a pretty nice one. Wait till Gio finds out it's based off of a statue. <laughs> <laughs> no statues. <laughs> oh man. So Unless anybody has anything from the week that was, let's go ahead and we're going to try to get through these predictions. There's obviously going to be some conversation about the week that was along with these, but let's go ahead and jump right in to Charleston versus Tampa Bay. This is uh, both the Charleston and Tampa Bay team who are level on points, but the vibe around the fan bases are extremely different right now. Um, Right now, Charleston fans are just kind of like, we're competent, woo. And then some Tampa Bay fans are like, we suck again. We're awful. What's going on? Leo Fernandez needs to come back, and we're going to lose forever. And it's okay. Just just calm down. It's fine. Um, Ryan, who you got? I picked Tampa Bay to at least find their form this week and to pick a result over the uh, battery on the road. Tower. Same going Tampa Bay on this one. I'm going with draw because uh, I don't believe in Tampa Bay quite enough yet. 
and I am slightly sold on a battery team that I think could at least get uh, get a goal out of this one and and make it difficult. So I went with. Apparently, I'm the bold one because I just went fully Charleston. Uh, watch that space for some roster news at the end of the week. Wink, wink. But um, they've they looked really good in both of their games. The Sacramento game was weird because of Reds, but they're pressing well. Crucially, they've got three good central midfielders, and Tampa Bay looks so poor in that area without Lewis Hilton. So I think that makes the difference to get the battery a win. Well, I have a draw. Um, yeah, Charleston played really well against Sacramento, a good Sacramento team um, on the road, which is not easy. And uh, and Tampa Bay haven't done a lot. I do think Tampa Bay have enough in terms of those like magic moments to where they kind of I think we'll see like a good Charleston performance, ru- not ruined, but pulled back by a moment of Tampa Bay brilliance. Um, but I think Charleston probably have the better of the play, but I'm going for a draw. Yeah, I'm taking Tampa Bay here. I I wanted to believe in Charleston at home, especially since they added uh, some more seating in. So that's pretty cool. Good on you, Charleston. Um, but I I just I get stuck in this habit of looking at names on the roster, and I just cannot look at Tampa and the names they have there and see them losing. I. I know I should be able to be watching and I am watching the matches and my eyes are just not convincing me that the names on the roster are the same names that I'm watching. It just doesn't compute. I'm I'm just picking Tampa because I it just makes sense. Um next up we have Sacramento taking on San Diego. This is a Sacramento team that doesn't lose at home. They don't. They only did it once last year. Everything else has just been winning and drawing, which is why it's such a big deal to get a result out of the Indomitable. But this is an Indomitable team taking on a very strong foe in San Diego. Ryan. I will say, interestingly, if you look at the three teams last year who won their first uh, three games of the year, you have San Antonio, Louisville, two finalists, and then Colorado Springs who ended up in the postseason. So this could be a very crucial victory for San Diego if they can get a result against uh, Sacramento here on the road but as Alan has said it's always like it always seems like it's tough to go up to play the Sacramento your Oakland's of these games and I feel like it's going to be one that kind of uh, you have that 4-0 win over Sacramento last year that's still pretty fresh in mind for this series but I do think both teams get a result out of this and I'm picking a draw. I think uh, as tough as Sacramento is at home Um, I'm going to go to San Diego. I just kind of feel like I'm going to keep things rolling and, and coming through. I'm just going for it. Um, <laughs> I'm going all in. Fight <laughs> through it. Fight through it. <laughs> Alan? I think what makes this, this, what's going to be tough about this one is San Diego will be missing Kyle Adams um, in the back line, which brings up some question marks about is Ebby going to be fit enough to play? He was walking off with some ice around his knee. There is some concerns in San Diego regarding that back line. Um, the back line that's been pretty dar- darn competent and this the start of this year, maybe not like dominant, but like good enough to get two clean sheets. Uh, I am going to roll with San Diego, but I would not be surprised if uh, Sacramento got some points out of this. Yeah, it feels like a draw for me just because 
even though they've kept a lot of the roster together, I think San Diego has a little bit to figure out with the balance as you integrate Corona into the attack, get Damas rolling. Sacramento is what it is. They are spectacular defensively. They've hit the ground running in terms of their organization. It, I, it feels like an even game. I have uh, I have San Diego, and I think it's just purely down to again. Like I think San Diego is capable of producing those moments like that you need on, on in a game on the road against Sacramento. So um, yeah, just the the personnel involved. I think they're capable of pulling something off. And if they can stay in it, I think they they have a chance of nicking something. I am taking Sacramento here. Um, I just really believe in the defense. This is another one of those situations of me refusing to pick draws. I think it hurts me because I think this is another one that is destined to end in a draw. But if I had to lean one way or another, I mean, how do you pick against Sacramento at home? it, It just seems like a dumb thing to do unless you're just hedging your bets and saying they eventually have to lose. Um, I do think that San Diego is going to make it one heck of a game, but I just, when you look at what Sacramento has in that back line, what they had defensively and, you know, when in doubt, screw it, Russell Cicerone up there somewhere, like they'll figure it out. Um, Next up, we have a, Sneaky, interesting match this week for all kind of the wrong reasons. We're talking about an Oakland Roots team that, I mean, they'll still make the playoffs. They'll they'll go undefeated in the last two months and sneak into eighth. Don't worry, they're fine. Um, but they don't look very good right now versus a Memphis team who um, looks really, really not good right now. Um, you know, I, we kind of made the joke about Goodrum being devastated to be back. And after a 3 1 shellacking, I'm pretty sure the whole team is devastated to be back. Uh, luckily, they brought in a new goalkeeper who is an upgrade, but an upgrade on literally the worst in the league is marginal. Oh, and by the way, he gets to go to MLS in Europe for free. Suck on that, Goodrum. <laughs> Ryan. I will say I posted that graphic earlier in the week talking about teams who have had the worst three game starts to the uh, to their seasons. And I will say, Phil, that um, if Memphis lose this game to Oakland, they will surpass Locomotive of having one of the worst ever three game starts <laughs> to a season. I do think the real crime of the year is that we're having to wait until October 7th for El Paso v. Memphis. Uh, okay, let's hold on. <laughs> I'm kidding. Hey, El Paso has actually looked good. Memphis is I'm the kidding. most incompetent team in the USA. So. Let's, let's, I'm, I'm kidding. We're already I'm we're already predicting the toilet bowl. Like we're three I'm, games I'm in. Kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, oh, oh, not to get off track. Oakland in a lock. Uh, I, I'm gonna go Oakland on this one as well. I know you just talked about they're both struggling. Um, I, I feel I don't know. My gut's telling me that they're gonna find find a way to win on this one. Yeah, Oakland playing at home, Memphis having to travel west. Um, we've seen. I almost did what I did last week. We've seen good teams struggle with this. Hint, hint. Um, but I, I, I you know, Oakland opening their first game at home. Um, I, I like I like what Oakland's doing better than I like what Memphis is doing if that's even a thing. Uh, I'm also locking Oakland because I think the other games are too close to call. 
so we all picked Oakland in the prediction pool, which I think is hilarious. But um, Memphis is going to win now. Yeah, right. We've cursed it. But Memphis, whenever they get Reese Buckmaster and Leston Paul back, it'll be a different team. Until then, they literally are not able to defend. Oakland showed some signs. They grew into the game. Second half against RGV, Edgar Rito got rolling on the wing. If they bring half of that energy with Rito going against converted striker Rashawn Nolly at left back, it's going to be trouble. So, yeah, roots. <laughs> we start the show with uh, praise of a converted striker playing wing back and end with a <laughs> with memeing a converted striker playing wing back. No, I uh, guys, we are leaving out one Im- very important piece of this Memphis defense, which is Bill Hamid. <laughs> somehow signing a contract i i don't know the that whole saga is just so hilarious to me because it's like i don't know if that's what the issue was at all but okay um and tim howard is in more of the pictures than the manager like that's tells you the whole story in my opinion but anyways according um, to some memphis fans that's the first time that uh tim howard has showed up to a match in two years (laughs) yeah he did an interview in the middle of the game and i was shocked to see him there um yeah uh so i i locked oakland as well surely they're cursed now but i am yeah now that i know that this will pull uh memphis down in the elo rankings below locomotive i'm i'm (laughs) fully invested in this game i I do want this is a part of me, the Birmingham fan in me. I get that. I I take great joy in I guess what's happening, which eventually means that Memphis is going to do the double on us just to bring me the most misery possible. But I do go watch the saves of the week and Memphis's goalkeeper is about ten yards out of position and then somehow recovers to make a great save. But if you watch that it was a bad shot. And it was also, why was he there? Why was their keeper there? I don't fully understand what he was doing. Um, Yeah, I'm taking Oakland here. Oakland is playing at home. It's a fun environment. And Memphis is just not having fun right now at all. Moving on. A team that we just talked about earlier, we have South Georgia Tormenta playing at home against Charlotte, who did not score, but... Don't let that fool you. Their attack is very close to clicking. And in case you're wondering, Dane Kelly, good. Yeah, um, this is a rematch of that uh, quarterfinals meeting from last year. And Charlotte is the last team to beat Tormenta uh, in Tormenta. But uh, I'm picking the defending champs to win this game. Uh, I was leaning towards Tormenta at first, but I think I'm going to have to go with Charlotte. I think that this is one of those times that we're going to see that prolific attack start clicking. Um, you know, I, I think it, in a lot of ways it's going to mirror that NCFC game against Tormenta, but I think we're going to see a lot more production out of this one. Um, you know, Charlotte is trying to sport a high-powered attack this time, and Tormenta has shown they have a, a proven defense. Um, they've proven themselves in many ways, but, um, you, you know, thinking about their attack versus Charlotte's, if it ends up becoming a – who's going to score most. I think Charlotte's going to come out on top on this. And I think that's what's going to happen in this particular match is uh, Charlotte's going to assert their will. 
Uh, Tormenta is averaging one offside goal per game this year, and I think they get another <laughs> one of those uh, to keep that streak alive. And so I picked I picked Tormenta because they're home, right? We're picking the home team yeah. in League One. And that was, that's what we're doing. Well, Tormenta <laughs> that was worked the out so well last week. Uh, Tormenta was the one team that couldn't win at home last year to save their lives either. But that was the old stadium, and then they got their tornado siren that yep. scare that scares eighty year old grannies. Um, that one, you know, I guess they're better now. So I mean, it's not a bad shout. Yeah, I mean, that was half of the logic why I went with Tormenta here. I think Charlotte is sort of finding the balance of who do you start because they're very deep in attack right now. Like that's a, it's a three four three system they're carrying over, but integrating the guys that they're bringing back and the new talent is an issue against Tormenta, who was already hitting the ground running in, in the defense. So South Georgia. Yeah, I'm going Tormenta as well. I mean, when you have a tactical mind like El Paso Locomotive legend Ian Cameron at the helm, um, <laughs> no, I uh, I really do. I I do think like Tormenta grinding out that result against North Carolina does give me a lot of like. I I think they've got the foundation that a lot of teams are going to be trying to build like over the next um you know a few weeks and months um and so i think they've got a little bit of a head start on everybody in that regard and despite having to bet in a bunch of new players like they've they've hit the ground running at least in like executing the system so yeah i'm going with tormenta as well and i think it'll be ugly like i think they they escape with a a one nil similar to what they did this week you know the thing with uh charlotte is that you know, we're kind of talking about their, uh, like we're talking about their attack. You look at it's it very much mirrors that North Carolina match, where you know they took seventeen shots, five of them were on target. They looked very dangerous. They also only allowed three shots. And is that Richmond maybe not being there attackingly because you know they lost <laughs> pretty important players along the way during this off season? Maybe. But you also have to look at that back line. I mean, some names that people know. I mean, Spielman's good. Um, Pack is really good. Joel, ever heard of him? He's not half bad. Like, there's a lot of great players there and a pretty good defense. That said, you know, it's the champions, right? They just do what they do. I I just until I don't until I see them just absolutely get the floor wiped with them. It's hard for me not to pick them. They're just so consistent, and that's one thing that really just drives me crazy with Tormenta, is that I don't really understand how they continue just to win. They're just so dang consistent. You know what you're getting every single time. I'm taking Tormenta, and yeah, I feel like they're kind of like the least chaotic. By the way, I just want to say, you know what you all have done, right? I'm going to get the Bolt meme treatment because of this. The only, <laughs> only naysayer. There's going to be some weird montage that's released after the weekend. You're Brandon. Me. You're the new and Brandon. Then, yeah, I'm going to be the next one up because Brandon's made peace with Bolt, and now I'm going to be putting the new one. Bolt so, makes no peace with anybody. Let's yeah, not yeah. get that. I accept my fate. It's okay. <laughs> it would be a shame if whoever tweets out these picks were to tag him. <laughs> oh geez no gods um, no masters only bolt <laughs> <laughs> what's a god to a bolt um, 
And for the final match that we are predicting, we have the Battle of the Birds. It is Union Omaha versus the Ford Madison. Both teams are very much a rebuilt squad. Some question marks coming into this season. For the first time ever, I don't think Madison has a new coach coming in, so good on them for a little bit of consistency in your lives. Um, Who we got? What I found interesting, which is kind of looking back through last season, and I think it's uh, maybe not overlooked, but Omaha ended the year on a terrible run of form. You have to go back to September 3rd, which is, uh, coincidentally enough, 200 days ago for their last victory in that league. However, when they played uh, Ford Madison, they hadn't lost to them since uh, October 2021. Um, I'm going to pick Omaha in this one, just as Alan said, giving the edge to the home team, but it's like my least confident pick of the week. Uh, I'm going to go Omaha on this one just simply because I, I know Ryan talked about Omaha not getting a lot of wins last season and having some bad runs of form here and there, but they also managed to draw a whole lot. And I feel like they've done enough revamping of some key pieces on the team that this year we're going to see them be able to actually produce and not just come away with a bunch of, of draws for one point. They're actually going to get some wins off of this. And plus the whole situation with them going up against Ford Madison um, there's a lot of tension between those two teams and those two fan bases, and I think that's going to propel a lot of this and maybe carry over. Plus, there's a little bit of an X factor with Union Omaha having a, a new coach. So while there might be a little bit of a, a learning curve with new teammates, new coach, I, I think that they're going to hit the ground running, and I'm going to give them the win. I'm actually looking at this very disappointed. It, if Omaha went with like Omaha Union, this matchup would be like, oh, you mad. <laughs> Dear God, I just think they missed that opportunity, guys. Like, I'm pretty disappointed in that now. Um, I- I'm going with Union Omaha here. Um, yeah, but I'm really disappointed, guys. <laughs> well, I'm sharing Union Omaha pick, but um, this is a team, even with new management coming in, and I mean, Phil can add some color there, but. Their identity is bunkering it in, playing some very good defense, hitting a hold-up striker, knocking it off to Connor Doyle to create. That hold-up striker is going to be Steven Dos Santos. They brought in a full back line worth of players who have hundreds of appearances in the USL Championship. This is a team with the talent to compete at the lower end of a tier below them, in my estimation. I think they're in for a really good campaign, and I think they're going to win this game. I uh, I have I have it down as a draw just because of the the early season stuff. Um, yeah, Dom uh, Casciato, the the manager of of Union, was an assistant in El Paso and was he was like ostensibly responsible for a lot of like the organizational stuff and set pieces, which was like where um that's where he like his niche was within like the assist- the coaching staff. Um, we actually have, um, and I think we locked it in just tonight. Uh, we're actually going to be talking to Dom ahead of the, on Seriously Loco, ahead of the, the Union Omaha El Paso Locomotive um, Open Cup game because it's going to be, it's got a little narrative there. Um, I do have this going down as a draw um, just because of the, I think it's early, I think like, Omaha are going to be defense first and 
despite the changes at Ford Madison, like draws are in their DNA. And that that's what I think they I think in this first match of the season, I think they they get a point. Um, but yeah, I think I think Union are, are in for a good season. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see what what Dom does with a, a head coaching job. I I'm now really worried because this was my lock pick and I'm taking Ford Madison. Um, I, I want to say something bold. I want to say something very bold. Ford Madison has the best defense in league one. I, people are really sleeping on this team. Like I'm looking at this roster and if you go and watch the film on these guys, Robert screen is a stud. Stephen Payne is insane. He was one of the main reasons that Richmond was so dang good last year. Um, Tommy Mel or Timmy Mel, really freaking good. Um, you know, then you bring back uh, Mitch Osmond. I, I just really believe in, and oh, don't forget Jacob Cruel, who was also one of the best defensive players last year. They're bringing back a stable of players who know how to win in the league that were staples of this league defensively. I, I just don't, it's going to be really hard for teams to break them down. And I get Steven DeSantis. He's a obviously very good, not a shocking take. Lewis Hill, ever heard of him? Decent. Connor Doyle, great player. Eddie Gordon, great player. Uh, is it? Uh, I always mess this one up. Is it uh, Dola Bella or Dola Bella? I can never remember which one. I cannot remember that double L. I can't remember which I one. I think it it's is. a hard L. Yeah, I think is it's it a hard, hard L. L? Mm-hmm. I yeah. can I always forget. Which is what Florida? Well, Madison's going to take this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> this one counts as negative six points. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just. I don't. I think it's going to be really hard to see Union Omaha breaking down this team, especially under new management. This is a team that was really bad at home last year, and they brought back a lot of those players. Does it end up becoming a mental bogeyman of can we overcome being bad at home? I this just feels like a Ford mass, and we're going to come out. And we're going to kick the more kits than wins thing. And we're going to be really good. I personally think they're the third best team in the USL league one anyway. So yeah, that's mine. That's, that's my lock. I'm probably about to be really embarrassed at by the end of the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) That's a spicy take. I like it. I mean, I mean, you know, as I started talking, the less I started believing in myself, but <laughs> no, go but, all in, Caleb. It's good. Yeah, I'm I'm right. all the way in. You're gonna be a legend, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rose Cowbell doesn't have a Twitter, so I think I'm okay there. There is no bolt to make a compilation no. of me. No, make like KFC and double down. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. See, I didn't know if you were talking about the sandwich or you were talking about the the Barcel account that was talking about the World Baseball Classic because both are bad. <laughs> I'm not even wading into that. I don't know. <laughs> but this is, speaking of the USL and the World Baseball Classic, Randy Rosarena playing for Mexico. I, I, I just want to know about his 
brother in a weird way, you know, his brother, the better of Rosarena, you know, who was with four Madison and Tampa Bay Rowdies. Is he still Cuban national? Cause I think he was getting caps there for a minute. Wasn't he? Is he, is he yeah, still, he, was. he got so called up somewhere and was listed as a Tampa Bay player on the USL page today when they highlighted all the people who got called up. So, so his brother is playing for Mexico and he's playing for Cuba. Eligibility is weird. Just end it there. <laughs> but Randy actively chose to not play for Mexico. He begged the president of Mexico for him to play for Mexico because he hates Cuba so much. This is that's a weird dynamic. That's a really weird dynamic for for the younger Rosa Rain to walk into to try to play weirdly enough like peacekeeper between government and his brother. I just I felt like I I know we don't have answers for this, but that was something I definitely wanted just to highlight because it so does affect the USL in a very strange way. So, um, by the way, does anybody have any updates on those scores? <laughs> three, three to two. Uh, three to I two. think Schwarber hit a solo. That's okay. correct. Schwarber yeah, always homers in the big games. That's just how yeah. it. That's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, there we have it. I, uh, you know, again, this happened with uh, the talk we had uh, with uh, Ray Reed with Ryan and I at the very end. Just became us talking about the World Baseball Classics. Is, is that on me for being a terrible host? Absolutely, but people are still watching, so you losers like it too. <laughs> Most fun I'll have watching baseball all year. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Any last USL thoughts from any of y'all? No, no. Pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> for your mental sake, I <laughs> wish nothing but the best. Uh, Ryan, final thought. Um, yeah, I know I've been talking a lot about uh, going on a lot of runs lately. I finally uh, actually went and bought new tennis shoes, and I was shocked to find that it lowered my p- average pace time by about 30 seconds. So uh, that was a pleasant surprise. I think today was my first time I did two and a half miles in under seven, in under uh, eight minutes pace. So that was cool. Oh, I was like, holy, <laughs> like <laughs> setting world records out here. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry. Unstoppable. Casual world records. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm still very far off the pace of world record world record setting. That that was just I was happy to get back to what I was used to running in college. I mean, better than me, so good on you. Tyler. Yeah. Uh no, I'm just uh happy we moved away from the baseball conversation because I don't know anything about baseball. <laughs> hey, Tim Tebow played in your town. Come on, put yeah. some respect. I, I'm like the black sheep of my family because my whole family's from Missouri, um, and uh, so they're all Cardinals fans. And every time I visit, they're like, "Hey, want to go to a Cardinals game?" And I'm like, "Uh." <laughs> so, nah. All right, Alan. Um. Yeah, uh, just pay attention to what your elected officials are doing, because uh, some of them are doing some pretty shady stuff in that could be in your community. So. Speak out for the marginalized because they uh, need your voice, especially if you're a bearded white guy. Uh, it's important to speak out uh, and hold your elected officials accountable for the things that they're doing in your communities. John? 
Yeah, I mean, preach on that with Alan. Uh, if you're a teacher in Los Angeles, about that would be a good place. But um, to go in a much different direction, I will be up at 3 a.m. watching The Mandalorian. So pray for my ability to wake up and do work tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Hey, look, The Mandalorian is more important. Anybody can understand that. Yeah, no sleep season. <laughs> you got Phil? I, uh, yeah, I guess there's just a bunch of, um, stuff out there, seriously, loco stuff, mostly, um, despite the losses and everything we've been continued to write and record through the pain. Um, so keep an eye out for that stuff if you're interested or if we're playing your team. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, I'm like deeply, deeply behind on all of the TV that I want to be watching. Um, and so I need to do some catching up um, at some point. But uh, yeah, I'll be, uh, I don't know, we're going to Chicago this weekend. So I'll be hanging out in the sh- back, back in my mild stomping grounds. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about, that's about it. Wow, boy. Um while watching the Lexington uh, Knoxville match, the player uh, and I didn't have because I had to turn off the audio because it was so bad. So I didn't hear how it's pronounced. Again, double L's confused me because I'd never know which one it is. Is it a Via Lobos or is it a Villa Lobos? I'm assuming it's a Via um, for Knoxville. Um, it just reminded me of Hector Via Lobos for the music, who is a I think a Brazilian composer. He wrote some fun stuff. Um, so my classical recommendations are uh, Hector or Hector's uh, Via Lobos's uh, Prelude Number One in E Minor, or his Fantasia uh, for uh, soprano saxophone. It's a really fun listen, and it's really different. So if you want a little bit of that Brazilian flair along with orchestral stuff, it's a good listen. Um, uh, my own personal stuff, um, I you know, hammering down stuff is happening. I got a new microphone because the old one stopped working. Um, it's nice. It, it's doing the job, I guess. For most people, are just like, stop talking and it'll be a lot better, which is a fair assessment. So, um, but yeah, I think that's it for me. Anybody else? Any final thoughts from anybody else? It, uh took less than five minutes for Ryan to tweet out our predictions for Bolt to respond. So we already have a blood <laughs> feud, apparently. Um, so it's on. <laughs> it's happening already. Oh, and check out Kit Season. Episode 2 came out today. Um, some fun takes, some fun stuff. Um, yeah. Oh, also, even though I really like them, Richmond is San Antonio Part 2. You can't read the numbers, but you know what? I would still buy it. I think it looks nice in person, but dear God, it's awful on TV. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I think that's it from everybody. This, you know, hey, it's another long episode, but some people like that. I, I hope most of you do anyway. Uh, but thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate you. We love you, and we cannot wait to be back next week. And for the final time tonight, from the man in the onesie, Q Allen's voice. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL Show. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.